Well, if it's good enough to get broke off a proper chunk, I take a small piece of some of that funky stuff. It's like this and like that and like this, Santa. It's like that and like this and like that, Anna. It's like this and like that and like this, Santa. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius here on a non-victory Monday. The hell is that, John? <laughs> John Ledyard from PewterReport.com, Scott Reynolds, also from PewterReport.com with me today. We're in a great mood, despite the fact that the Bucks have lost. That part did not put us in a good mood. But we're ready to rock and roll with this show today, Scott, because we got some takes, you know, first two weeks of the season roll by and it's like, all right, you know, they're winning, but you always wait for that first loss to start firing out the takes, you know, you don't want to get yeah. too hot, but definitely have some takeaways from Sunday's game and lost 34-24 to the Rams that we've got to get off our chest today. No doubt about it. There's bowls to blame for the Bucks' loss. That's what we called this show, and and I know that there are some, some split opinions out there and in Pewter Nation about um, your highest paid defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. And uh, we will get to that, John. We're going to find out if Todd Bowles is to blame and if so, how much in today's program, as well oh. as other things. Bruce Arians had a packed. Oh, my gosh. Packed full <laughs> of Make information. Make sure you conference. stay glued to PeterReport.com. Because yeah. there are going to be like 12 articles going up over the next 24 hours from Bruce Arians press conference today because he had a lot to say. He's a gold mine of information right now. So yeah. we'll have you covered on that. But you know what else you covered in terms of your energy? Celsius does. Check oh, out the Celsius. Celsius heat blueberry pomegranate. That's what Look I'm rocking you, John. Today. You're breaking out the heat, man. I'm telling You're you, man. No sugar heat, and taste this good. That's that's Celsius's thing, right? Like they don't you don't compromise taste at all. That's right. But you still get a, a healthy, something that's nutritionally valuable to you. And that's the same thing with these fast energy bars. I mean, that's yes. why we love them, right? These fast protein bars, white chocolate cookies and cream, 20 grams of protein, one gram of sugar. That's it. Yeah. And you can see the white chocolate cookies and cream oh, there. So and good. Yeah. The, 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 you got the chocolate caramel peanut crunch uh, out of those right now. I need to get myself some. But these protein bars, I'm telling you, if, if you – are into protein bars, but not necessarily as familiar with Celsius with the fast brands, protein bars. You need to make sure you check these out because protein bars just don't get tastier than this. They really don't. They've replaced candy in my sweet tooth rotation for the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, candy's really bad for you. And the thing is, is, is these taste like candy, but they're not candy. They are protein bars, folks. And, um, and, and they taste delicious. There's two flavors. And I, I waffle back and forth, John. Which one do I like better, the salted caramel peanut crunch or the white chocolate cookies and cream? I don't like white chocolate. I just don't. I, I'm a milk chocolate kind of guy. Dark chocolate's okay. I am not a white chocolate guy. This white chocolate cookies and cream, it tastes like cookies and cream. Ice cream, it tastes like, I'm not going to name a brand, but you know what I'm talking about. Like It, it has got a fantastic taste. So mm -hmm. um, I'm going to dig in the white chocolate cookies and cream a little bit more this week. Last week, it was the salted caramel peanut crunch. Yeah, absolutely. They Both are really good. Excellent uh, fast brands, uh, really producing some excellent protein bars there. Okay, Scott. Well, and hold on. We would be remiss to say oh, that, they, yeah, that's right. that they are on sale 20% off at Amazon. Get Check the link. The, the link tomorrow. Yeah. YouTube uh, description right, right now. Yeah. You can click down there 20% yeah. off on the fast bars yeah they're that's a that's an absolute steal right now. Definitely take advantage of that. Um, all right. Uh, so the biggest talking point from this game that's come out at least in our eyes you know you and i have already talked some today and we're gonna get yeah. our final kind of points and everything off our chest on this show is todd bowles what's the range of level of you know blame for him i guess anytime a defensive coordinator gets trounced yeah. like he has three times against sean mcveigh that's you're gonna come back to that question and obviously neither of us are naive enough to think that this is 100 players or 100 bowls right. but we're meeting out you know, kind of blame here. And what do, what is your thoughts on this? How does Todd Bowles deserve a lot of blame for the defensive failures? 409 yards allowed 34 points. Um, you know, it, it's been a trend against McVay. Is it him or is it the players or is it some of both? I, I think it, certainly some of both, right? I mean, you, as a coach, you're responsible for your players and you got to make sure they're coached up on everything from, from technique to, to the, the schemes that you're going to run and, and being able to kind of paint that mental picture and, and give guys the proper look. Hey, when they're in this formation, this down and distance, this personnel grouping, we need to expect this. So that's really where coaching comes in. Once that's taken place and you've got the call on the field, you got to execute. And, and sometimes right. it's as simple as we're calling a blitz and 
you you got to beat your man in front of you. If you're a defensive lineman, sometimes as, as the blitzer comes, it's going to free you up and you're going to get the one-on-one. It's not always the blitzer that gets home on blitzes. As Monty Kippen told me back in the day, it's it's not always the, the blitzing guy that they were asking to get the sack. Sometimes the blitzing guy creates one-on-ones for everybody else up front, and then you got to win one of those one-on-ones or more and get to the quarterback, and that's just not happening. Three sacks in three games is unacceptable, and I don't think that's Todd Bowles' fault. He's not out there losing these one-on-ones. It's, it's the, the defensive front. It's the linebackers. And Bruce Arians kind of said as much today. They're they're not winning their one-on-ones. And the funny thing is, John, I asked him this question last week because I sensed this was coming. And, and right. I said, I, I said last week, uh, let me pull up, up the quote here. Uh, you know, when I'm on the conference call on Monday yeah. and, and, and I said, Bruce, how concerned are you about, you know, the one-on-ones? He said he'd he, like to see more sacks. That was his. Right. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of like glossed over it and, and said, "Yeah, we'd like to see more sacks," but um, but really, it was uh, I can't find it now. He didn't gloss over it today. Let's put it. He didn't gloss over it today. No, today, <laughs> today he, was, he was in agreement with what I said last week, and yeah. and uh, I focus. I've got hyper focused on the defensive line, and uh, and right now, um, what you saw was you saw the Rams chip Jason uh, Joe Tryon Shoyinka. And Shaq Barrett, a pretty fair amount. And I got to go back and watch the tape. Those are my notes watching the first time. And that's why you saw them get some pressure early. Then the chips came, and there wasn't a whole bunch of pressure coming from the inside. Uh, Ndamukong Sue, Vita Vea, uh, Nacho, that's not really his game. But, you know, when he's in there, Will Golston mm-hmm. got the only sack. And uh, that did come on a, on a five-man pressure. But, John, um, you can't fault Todd Bowles when with what he has to work with in the secondary is now Carlton Davis, the only starting caliber corner on this roster. Ross Cockrell, who was cornerback number four on this roster, now he's cornerback number two. And Dee Delaney, who but Bruce Arians said great. probably played the best on Sunday. Now, I will give LA. Bruce this. Cockrell played well. Like I'll, I'll absolutely give that. I mean, yes, he got beat in, in the Sean Jackson – was under you know ball was underthrown on uh, maybe the first drive of the game or one of the first drives of the game, no question there you know. But later in the game, I mean, he had the holding penalty, but there were there was plenty of good things too. He had good coverage second half. He was yeah. really good. I think he only was charged with twenty three yards given up in coverage. Obviously, there was you know some asterisks in there for missed passes by Stafford. He, you know he wasn't great, but he wasn't the problem either. Uh, you know Delaney wasn't horrible, but to to say yeah. he was that good was really surprising to me. I mean. Obviously, he, you know, again, I don't know if he was the worst part of the miscommunications were the worst part, but yeah, I don't think I come away saying, oh, Cockrell and Delaney, there's the reason these two guys lost. You know, the, this team lost is because of those two guys. I definitely did not feel that way. I feel like, and this is where I come back to this with Bulls, I feel like he does deserve probably more of the blame than, than you do, although I agree with you. It's definitely both, and some of the players have to play better than they played in this game, and we'll talk about some of those players specifically by name in a minute here. But I felt like the one thing that has not worked this season for Bulls is some of the approaches that he's taken to begin games. At the first couple drives of this game, I think it felt like, oh, it might work, you know, but I really felt like Stafford missed a couple throws. He had Cup on the corner route, missed him. Cup had one go right. off his hands that went off Dean's hands then. And then he had Deshaun Jackson deep and he missed him. So there's three throws right there that I felt like were there and Stafford just missed. Not to mention when Tryon Chanka got pressure on third down, Stafford missed a guy right at the marker on a short pass. So I felt like the beginning of the game, Stafford let them breathe a little bit. And then once it was like, okay, I'm not going to miss any more passes, the Rams did literally whatever they wanted. I mean, they piled up like 300 yeah. yards of offense, so like three drives. It was absurd. And I felt like there was – Bulls said, okay, we're going to play more man coverage, which I get. But then when Dean got healthy, where's the adjustment? You're asking Delaney and Cockrell to do some he things that they're not equipped hurt. to do. Right, when Dean got hurt, yeah. And so I felt like then he didn't change what he was doing. And then they were like – it was blitz heavy. You know, I don't want him to blitz – more, I want him to blitz less in those situations. We'll get yeah. to why that might not have been the answer in this one either. Um, and I felt like he stayed the super aggressive and Stafford just kind of picked them apart on these more meticulous drives. But to Bull's credit, then when he went to four in the second half, Stafford hits the long ball to Deshaun Jackson and two guys blow the coverage that, that should be on the same page at that point. So I, while I think Bulls deserves plenty of blame, I don't necessarily know that if he had 
done everything perfectly or differently, I should say, because there is no perfect thing, that they would have won either because players also struggled. Yeah, it's, I, I look at it like this. I, I'm more apt to blame Todd Bowles for the Cowboys game in week one when he had pretty sure. much a, a full healthy roster with the exception of Sean Murphy bunting after the first quarter. Right. I mean, he had Jason Pierre Paul in that game. Everybody but with Whitehead, right? But but I will just say this. Um Ross Cockrell is not as good. He's not as talented as Deshaun Jackson, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, or Van Jefferson. And right. But did they lose because of that? No, but what it does is is I, I think it limits bowls with what he can do because he has to he has to be concerned about not putting at that time, Delaney and Cockrell in those situations where where they can get exposed. So you've got to play more zone, and maybe you can't blitz as much as the game goes on. And and then if you're not getting beat up front, it's just to pick your poison. It's it's well. Do, I, I do, felt I agree. Do, with do, you do on we that. want to bring pressure and and leave these guys you know in in some exposure there? Um, and the other thing too is we haven't really talked about is listen when you're when you're a star player. And I wrote about this in the two-point conversion, so I'll repeat myself if you read this. Go back to the 2002 Super Bowl season, not just for the Buccaneers, but any any Super Bowl season. On any defense that's really good, you're going to have leaders and playmakers at every level. For the Super Bowl, it was John Lynch, Rondé Barber in the secondary, Derek Brooks in the linebacking core, Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice up front. The Bucs have got the same three levels of stars in their defense going back to last year, right? You, you had... Jason Pierre-Paul, the Pro Bowler, Shaq Barrett uh, as bookends. You had, uh, for as good as Levante David is and, and is solid, Devin White was really the splash play guy last year at the linebacker level. He was kind of the star, and you saw that in the postseason, two interceptions, two fumble recoveries. He was the splasher of the two linebackers. Then in the secondary, Antoine Winfield Jr. as a rookie, three uh, sacks, couple forced fumbles, a couple of interceptions, and you saw what he did in the postseason as well. The big uh, uh, fumble that was forced on uh, Jared Cook in that Saints game and then the interception in the Super Bowl. And, and of course, you saw Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett go off in the playoffs. Uh, th- those guys had five sacks combined in the Green Bay game, and then you had a, a sack by Barrett and numerous pressures by Jason Pierre-Paul and Barrett in the Super Bowl. But what we're seeing is, aside from one sack in, in the first game by, by Barrett and an interception off of a tip pass, you're not seeing any splash plays. You're not seeing any takeaways. You're not seeing any sacks, any game-changing, momentum-changing plays from Winfield, from Sean Murphy Bunting, who's out. The guy had three interceptions in the postseason. You're not seeing anything from Devin White except for a couple of tackles and some blown coverages. And you're not seeing anything up front from, from the pass rushers. Uh, and I know Jason Pierre-Paul missed this last game. So my point is, is any defensive coordinator has got to have his stars shine. And right now the lights are out on Tampa Bay stars. They're not shining. And that's a big reason why this defense is allowing 29.5 points per game or 29.3, whatever it is. And um, listen, it's forcing the Bucks if the Bucks want to win they got to score more than 30 but the, the problem is 30 wouldn't have got the job done yesterday john because yeah. they needed 35 right but and uh, i mean they're certainly capable of that on offense if they can get hitting on all cylinders yeah. but the bottom line is that should never be the standard like the standard shouldn't be to score have to score an unrealistic amount of points now i know it's but a great offense they're gonna have to but yeah the way that they're playing right now certainly you know and i would say this too i do think that you know some of their top players defensively have been really good in the first two games of the season. I would say it wasn't true on Sunday. I don't want to make the sample size, in my opinion, at least, you know, look larger than it is right now. I think that, you know, for the first three games of the season, you know, their, their best players on each level, Vita Vea, Levante David, and Carlton Davis were, were really, really good. I, I go back to what you're saying though. And I say for the younger guys, you know, Carlton da- or not a uh, Carlton Davis, but Antoine Winfield and Devin White, those guys, the impact plays have not been there this year. And I would say for Winfield, it hasn't been blown coverages necessarily. He's not giving up a ton, but where are the impact plays on the back end in terms That's of what I'm making saying. plays on the ball? And then also the tackling for him. You know, it gave up the touchdown, Cordell Patterson, week two. That hasn't right. been quite the same for him as well either that we've seen in the past. Devin White all around, it's just been horrible. I don't know how else to say it and be nice yeah. about it. I mean, his 
I, I know we're not necessarily like living and dying by pro football focus grades here, but you and I knew it was going to be bad the last two weeks before it even happened. I even texted yeah. Trevor Sikova, who's over at pro football focus. Now I said, yeah. just like, give me an over under here. How close, you know, Devin White's great. How close is it to zero? And, you know, we were just kind of like going through and it's like off the charts right now. He's not even yeah. registering as we're, a real we're football We're not player. picking on Devin White. Even Bruce Arians today in his press yeah. conference said, uh, Devin's really good against the run. The problem is teams aren't running the ball on us. They're they're passing the ball and they're forcing him to make I, plays in coverage. I and literally wrote really this. I, yeah, and I wrote it last week in Bucks briefing. I said in yeah. Bucks briefing, I know that a big part of his job is stopping the run and teams aren't running the ball against the Bucks right now. But that we said going into the year, Paul and I said this so many times, and I know you were on shows where we said it too. Yeah. Teams are not going to come out and run the football against the Bucs, so you need to be prepared. They were right. already the most passed against team in neutral situations last year. That was not going to suddenly change this year because teams knew what they had offensively. They knew what they yeah. were going to have to match in terms of the way that they called their own offense. So it, it, the Bucs didn't come out with that mentality to start the year, and it's that's right. where I get to coaching where I say, I don't know that they had a plan to necessarily, okay, oh, we got to adapt what we do to be better against the pass and the run. Otherwise, yeah. we would. We saw six man fronts for half the game. Not half the game is an exaggeration, but yeah. against Dallas, a lot. It's just, yeah, a lot. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, is is I'm not going to sit there. And I agree with your sample size argument. This this is three games, right? And the yeah. the Rams. Listen, that's that's not a loss to be embarrassed about. Right. No. I mean, you lose no. to the Falcons, then now now sound the alarm bells. If you lose yeah. to the Patriots this weekend, this Sunday, which they're not a good team. They're just not. And if you lose then, then sound the alarm bells. Losing to a team that you will probably see somewhere in the postseason, uh, unless injuries ravage both teams or one team, th- th- I'm not saying it's okay, but it, it's a more acceptable loss than it is. An understandable loss, let's put it that sure. way, because they're a good team and it's on the road. They but, might be the best team in the league. I mean, how they, good did the Rams look yesterday? We're just, and we're not here to praise the Rams. We're just right. saying you have to look at the context. And uh, Bucks That's fans, true. I don't think it's cool when they're like, "Oh no, this team, you know, sucks." No, like there's going to be a loss maybe here and there. Last year, you right. know, we saw the the Bears game. Like, yeah, like fine, I'm fine with saying that team sucks if you want to do that. But yeah, come on, like the Rams are freaking good. I mean, they have two of the best players in the world on defense. They have an unbelievable scheme that's been challenging teams for years. The Bucs tore up that defense for the most part, to be honest. They need to finish in the red zone. They need to finish right. on the ball a couple more opportunities. But they did what they wanted on offense. That side of the ball, which we'll get to at the end here, right. I feel great, great about that side of the ball right now. No what doubt. I don't feel great about is is defensively not having answers for teams that have are doing the same thing. They're not changing reinventing the wheel with Stafford there. Like right. They're doing what they've done, and they're crushing you the same way they've crushed you in the past. And yeah, I get the talent thing to a degree, but I, I look at the game and I'm like, man, I don't know if that that is what beat you as much as you know trying to be, play too much man coverage and blitz too much in that early in that first half. Right. But like I said, it goes back to then. Okay, you change coming out of the break at halftime. You get them to third and ten right out of the gate, and you give up the seventy five yarder, and that that really changed the game. I felt like from that point. Yeah, and, and you know what I was going to say is is three games is not a, a great sample size, but. And, and I'm not going to say that this team is hung over from the Super Bowl. But Warren Sapp, and I talked to him before the season started and, and over the summer, he said two things the Bucks have got to guard against is, is that that Super Bowl hangover that, that, you're, that you feel like you've arrived. You're the Super Bowl champion, and you already know what you did to get there because you got the ring. And so when the coaches tell you, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, um, you know, the, the most dangerous words in football are, I got it. Coach, I got it. I got it. Yeah. And and listen, Sean Murphy Bunting had a great postseason, John. He really did. The pass yeah. breakup in the end zone, in the Super Bowl, the three interceptions in a row. Take that, and and again, not a very fair sample size, but for the, the, the first quarter of the season he was out there, mm-hmm. That Sean Murphy bunting against Dallas did not look anywhere close to the guy right. that we saw in January. Oh man, right? no, he was bad week one, man. And, <laughs> like, and we, we was... have not seen we have not seen Devin White play anywhere like he did in January. In the right. They and need I, those postseason heroes to show they, up. They do. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to to uh you know to state this as fact. It's just something to keep an eye on because it's kind of human nature once you've arrived. 
you've arrived in your head. And I got this. I got this, coach. I got this because I've done it before. The problem is every season is new. It's a new team, new chemistry, new this, new that. You're not the same player that you were. It's a different season. That's why every season you don't have the same stats because you're not the same. Monty Kipton used to say, you're getting better, you're getting worse. The other thing Sapp said is you're going to get every team's best shot. And the 2003 Buccaneers were not ready for that. That's why they lost to Carolina in 2003. That's mm-hmm. why they allowed the Colts to come back to beat them because they took the the uh, their foot off, off the gas on that Monday night game where Peyton Manning had a, a one of the greatest comebacks of all time. Right, right. And, yeah, and, you're right. And so I, I think that's the thing. You saw the Falcons, who got ran at home 32-6, to six, come into mm-hmm. Tampa and drop 25 in the Buccaneers and make it 28-25. Yeah. You saw the Rams. You saw Sean McVay sprinting down there to high-five Deshaun Jackson. He wanted to defeat the, the defending Super Bowl champions. Everybody in L.A. did. And so, Tampa, you better, you better strap it up every week because you're going to get the best shot. You're no longer – the hunter, you are the hunted. Yeah, and I think for the uh, for what it's worth, just to, for uh, my perspective anyway, I don't feel like there's any type of effort or apathy that's a concern necessarily. But there Correct. are so, there and there are a lot of questions to get to here. So let's jump into some of those before we even move on with the show. But first, I got to point out our friends over at Dave and Buster's right now because they are doing some awesome stuff. If you have not been to Dave and Buster's, man. You got to check out the TVs, everything that they got going on. It is the ultimate football viewing experience right now, Dave and Buster's. Our Matt Matera was out there last weekend, had a great time, played a bunch of games, got a bunch of great food. He was raving about these Buffalo wrap rolls things. And they just have they have an unbelievable menu that they've kind of totally redone. I don't know how familiar people have been with Dave and Buster's and all the changes that have happened there in recent years, but they have kind of redone so much of what they do and they are just soaring and kind of taking off as a result, especially as things kind of reopen again from the, from the pandemic. And so, yeah, they, they, you got to check this out. Estuary Lakes drive in Tampa. Uh, they have a bunch of locations actually in this area and, and over, over the nation uh, to be honest. And, but that's just a great ultimate football kind of viewing experience place. TV, huge TVs. I'm not talking about like you go to your normal bar and you've got like your TV and maybe there's one big screen. They've got like multiple big screen uh, type setup and and just a great. You're going out there for college football on the weekend, man. I can't imagine a better place to watch the games. And here's the, the real kicker: you can win a $200 gift card to Dave and Buster's, and all you have to do is like the simplest stuff ever. Click the link that's in the YouTube description here, down at the bottom of the YouTube description. Click that link to an Instagram post. All you got to do is like like the post and follow Pewter Report and Dave and Buster's and tag like two of your friends in the comments. That's it. It'll take you five seconds and you enter to win this $200 Dave and Buster's gift card. $200 is going to get you a long way at Dave and Buster's too. So make sure you check that out. Check out all the things that Dave and Buster's are doing and jump into that contest uh, and, and get yourself a chance to win $200 to play at Dave and Buster's. Okay. We got so many comments to get to here on some of them are super chats. I want to start with this one though, Scott, if we can. Uh, real quick, just because it, we we can just tackle the cornerback trade you know, signing discussion. Adolfo, questions, what about trading for a cornerback from a bad team like the Giants' James Bradbury? I think the Giants, just to specifically address Bradbury, and then I'll throw it to you to address corner, Scott. I think the Giants are want Bradbury out of the long haul. I doubt he's on the block. The yeah. Giants are completely oblivious to reality. They believe that they can probably be a contender and that the East is bad and that – they can still write the ship, and it's going to be a while before anybody like that would even be available. If that even happens with the Giants, we're probably looking at, a, at an organization that's getting for wholesale changes in terms of coaching. But they have talent. They have talented players. Um, right. It's not showing up that way right now on the field. So I'm not sure whether they'll be sellers or not just yet. I don't anticipate Who anybody with Bradbury's Gellman, cap number. Right, the cap <laughs> number. We got to think. Guy. The Bucks want to re-sign Carlton Davis, so cap yes. number has to be part of the conversation we're talking about bringing in a younger guy who costs a lot of money like a Bradbury or a Gilmore it's just very unlikely to happen what are possible avenues Scott that the Bucs could go down to to make this thing happen and add a cornerback to the team I mean we've talked about about Richard Sherman right I mean that's that's an option that's a stopgap he's 33 years old and and uh there's some questions inside the building whether he can still run and be effective. And you know, right now you, you've you've got some some cornerbacks. Uh, well, Ross Cockrell can't run. I mean, Ross Cockrell is a, is a good underneath corner. None of their corners are Blazers. I would say that's true. Yeah, I mean, and Jamel Dean is, but I mean, he's got a knee injury right now, and and uh, 
you know, the, the thing about, about Jamel Dean is, you know, and you saw that, that dropped inter, uh, interception. I mean, that that's, you know, that that's an interception. Mm-hmm. I was texting a friend of mine today that like I had pop Warner kids that could catch that deflection. Right. And it just, the, the ball skills that Dean has or doesn't have are, are alarming. Um, you know, here the stat from, you know, from Dean is, is uh, he's got one interception in, I believe the, the past um, 15 games, 14 yeah. games, one interception in the last 14 games, including the postseason, and just five pass breakups over that span. And it's not like his coverage is, is necessarily terrible. It's not like he's getting picked on like, like Vernon Hargraves got picked on as a rookie. But with Dean, when the ball is thrown his way, he's just not making plays in the ball. And he kind of did weird. that. It's, it's weird, he isn't it? Because as like, a rookie. Yeah, that's know? what I was going to say. He burst yeah. onto the scene because it was like, oh, ball skills. And then – yeah. All the, right up until the Rodgers pick. Since the Rodgers pick, it, it's it's been a ghost town for him. Because yeah. the week before, remember the Bears game, he had four pass breakups that game. Yes. And yeah. he had almost a pick six to end the game. Right. The, well, the he, also gave, he also gave up a touchdown, too, in that game to, yeah. to, uh, to Jimmy Graham, their tight end. Yeah. Is that him? Yeah. I can't even remember. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. But yeah. so, uh, listen, do they need Dean and Sean Murphy bunting back? Yes. But Carlton Davis is the clear number one cornerback on this team. Yeah. I guess maybe D. Delaney is too, and Bruce Arians is mine, but <laughs> that's another subject. I mean, listen, I love Bruce, and I, and I, I say this kind of like kidding, but also yeah. telling the truth. If if your observation is that Ronald Jones Rojo really ran the ball well and got eleven yards and five carries, like I just know what to say. It's just, it's just like how could that be? How could that be a serious takeaway? It's like. I don't know. Like, I mean, again, we've talked about the running back so much, but yeah, it, it, sometimes he just maybe sometimes he thinks that players need positive reinforcement. As much as he isn't a BSer, sometimes so. <laughs> he just answers stuff weird. Like, yes, that's, that's a hard way to think it, John. He answers stuff weird. So, yeah. Jonathan Rivera, thank you so much for the $10 super chat. The Bucks ran into a white hot Rams team on the road in week three, game three of 17. Wouldn't we prefer to get things ironed out now so that we can adapt down the stretch and peak? in the postseason again i agree with that and the other interesting thing is to your point jonathan what bruce arians said today was the penalties have really reared their ugly head again and that's alarming for this team some of them are ridiculous though i'm just i'm sorry like i agree with you that it's a problem i think nfl officiating is ridiculous as a whole john some of these are just (laughs) Yeah, the pre-snap ones though, yeah, can't happen. Scotty Miller, Josh Wells, yes. guys who don't normally play, they're jumping off sides. You know that's a problem. But like the pass interference penalty on Gronk, which they overcame, I know, but it's just yeah. an absurd call. Like there's nothing there, sure. it, you know, at all. Like it's just, I, it's actually I, listen, very well executed by him. So I, I thought the unnecessary roughness penalty on Carlton Davis was a crock of shit. Oh my okay. gosh, that was in the such Falcons a bad, game. Yeah. He hit the receiver after he made the catch too hard. Right. right. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm just so over these officials. But to your point, John, yes, Tampa Bay has a, a league-high 27 penalties for 230 yards. That's an average of nine penalties for That's 76 yards right a game. Yeah. You might be getting a little bit unlucky, but you're still too undisciplined. Both yes. are true. And 11 of those, John, are just what you talked about, those pre-snap penalties, those yeah, brain farts yeah. that, that, that happen. They've got six false starts, three offsides, one neutral zone infraction, one delay a game. Uh, that's where you kill yourself is, mm-hmm. is when you're Josh Wells and you go out there and it's third and one and you come into the game as the blocking tight end and all of a sudden, boom, you know, now it's third and six because you decided to, to have a false start. That's the kind of stuff that drives Bruce Arians nuts. Yeah. And, and the and the Rams and that, are what hurts. The Rams are annually one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. Yeah. And so are the Packers, and those are you know two of the teams that you're really contending with. And so yeah, this is it's you know a very important part of this um, this whole thing because these games come down to a few plays. That Josh Wells, but Bruce said it today, and I thought it was a good point. You know, yeah. I think Ira asked him like, is it more about just you lose a great team, hats off, and you move on to the next one? And Bruce said, no, I mean, I think it's about us. And I'm yep. glad that he said that because people are going to say, oh, he won't give credit to the opponent. I think that's right. BS. Like you look at what you can control, what you could have done better. And you know, he said, we don't, if we don't jump off and drop a pass that long third down on, on the second or third drive of the game, whatever it was, then you know, we're talking about a different ball game probably. Right. And so 
um, that he's probably right. That's how football games go. They you want you can look at a 17 point deficit and trace it back to you know, a couple plays that could have could have changed yeah. the game. I do think the Rams are better. That's why I picked them to win the game. I do think they're better right now, but I don't know that that'll be the case by the end of the season or by the postseason when they might meet again. So it means very little right now, other than you're probably feeling great if you're them and you're probably feeling right. like you need to fix some things if you're the Bucks. I want to address this one real quick. Sure. Uh, Just me, Pooh Shimmy says, John, how has Brady's pocket movement been to you? I dismissed his MCL injury, but it seems he's been really mobile in the pocket, literally ducking sacks and avoiding pressure. Last year, he'd just go down. Bruce actually said today, maybe I'm going to you know, install the read option the way Brady's moving. <laughs> but, man, yeah. I mean – It makes a I, difference, doesn't it, John? He, Brady is having an unreal type of season. And last year, I thought he was good, and I defended him kind of all the way through the year. And right. that was kind of the hill I died on and obviously didn't have to die because he, he balled out and ended up proving me right. But right. – I, you know, the difference even now with the after the MCL is like obvious to me. Like, ducked under two sacks and got out. Obviously, had right. 14 yards and scrambles for for him. That's yeah. That's just a great. That's a great performance for him. Just in it terms is. of being able to make something out of things. But the other thing, Scott, they had a second and 15, and he made a back foot. He threw off his back foot to Mike Evans and laced that yeah. sucker like on the sideline on the button for 16 yards, and it was like. Oh, okay. Like right. that's totally different. That didn't happen last year. He reached in the bag. That of type of throw. Yeah. yeah like he's yeah. not an off platform thrower that can do that. And last year when he would that's fade right, away from balls, now like it was, it's, it has more zip and it like it's on yes. time. And I, I just, I could not come out of the first three weeks of the season feeling better about Tom Brady than I do right now. I, I mean, he's, he's that been that unbelievable. <sighs> I don't want to rain on your parade, John, but I'm just disappointed that, you know, and again, small sample size, it's three weeks. There's still, what, 14 more games to mm-hmm. go. But just last week, Tom Brady was on pace to throw for 76 touchdowns. And now? Now it's down to 56. Okay. And oh. maybe with maybe with like three or What's four the more record? scores. 55? 55, yeah. So okay. he's, he's still going to break Paid Manning's record. Feel pretty good about that. But I'm just – really. That's just, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's gonna happen. I'm, we'll see. you know, and of course, Peyton's gonna bitch and moan about it. Well, Tom got 17 yeah. games, you know, yeah. the, the big forehead and all that. But, <laughs> but the thing is, 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 uh, I, I think it's gonna happen. I'm just disappointed that he's off the 76 uh, touchdown pace because that'd be pretty freaking cool, right? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah. That was always gonna <laughs> oh, regress. Oh, you, you think I'm the greatest quarterback of all time? Who's thrown 70 touchdowns? Seven guy. You know, <laughs> 70. This guy. What if he? What if he could legitimately hit 60? Though, I mean, that's. Oh know, yeah. In, and we'll see. The one thing about touchdowns is, in this game, was a perfect indication. Like Brady had the most passing yards he's had in a game this season. One of, you know, I mean, obviously nobody's throwing four hundred yards every week, but yeah. he's had what? How many four hundred yard games? Sixteen or something in his career. I don't remember what the number was, but you know, he has that kind of a performance. You know, suffers a couple misplayed balls. I felt like we'll talk about Gronk in a minute, maybe, but yeah. Then you obviously you'll see you get in the red zone and oh, you know, Gronk doesn't finish one and the. And the the out route and then you've got okay we're gonna run twice you know godwin's gonna get a rushing touchdown brady's gonna sneak it rather than throw it and there's just some of this like regression to the mean right nobody yeah. maintains these averages for as long as you know it looks like they will but still right. leads the league even after just throwing one leads the league with 10 touchdown passes still leads the league in passing yardage i think he's the i mean it's we're almost a quarter of the way in the season and now and i guess and he's you know to me the clear mvp for a winner and yeah somebody said it but could not write a better script than him being able to break that record in New England. I think that's a really cool sidebar yes. that Brady, by the way, will not care about at all until probably after his career and the season is over. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first time we'll see him care about that. I think. Yep. No, I, I agree. And listen, I, I expect Brady and Gronk to go off in this game. I just do. And um, and the Bucks are going to bounce back. John, you had a tremendous tweet today that I included in my two-point conversion. And again, not making excuses for the play of the defense, not making excuses for um, Ty Bowles. But Dak Prescott week one, Matt Ryan week two, Matthew Stafford week three, and we've seen the arsenal of weapons, especially the Dak Prescott had to throw to, and we just saw that yesterday with Matthew Stafford. Now you've got week four, Mac Jones, Jacoby Brissett, week five, because two is out. 
Jalen Hurts week six. That could be a very sticky game because I yes. think Hurts. I think Hurts can do some things on the run that can really he can do some things. The run. Yeah, but that, that he's, he's not a yeah he's not a like big time throw guy. You know Correct. what I mean? Yeah. But dink and dunk guys have given him problems. That's so we'll true. Yeah. Then week seven, Andy Dalton. Rookie Justin Fields. We'll see. Week eight, Jameis Winston. That's going to be a revenge game for, for Jameis for sure. Then the bye week. Then Taylor Heineke, Fitz Magic in week 10, per John Ledyard's awesome tweet. Daniel Jones, New York Giants, week 11. And actually, Jones has played pretty well against the Bucks the last two times, but I understand your line of thinking there. Carson Wentz, week 12, Mr. Lass, Captain Brittle, whatever you want to call him, um, Peanut Brittle. Week 13, you got Matt Ryan again. So there's a favorable stretch here, John. I think you getting after Carson Wentz is my favorite low-key bit that that we do on the show. <laughs> What's wrong with yeah. Mr. Glass? <laughs> I just love it. I think it's uh it's like a little, you know, it's a little sidebar humor with Carson yeah. Wentz, like totally unrelated guy to the box that he's he can't, can't stay healthy. I'm just saying, you know. I mean, I'm not knocking his game, I'm knocking his health. He, I mean, it's like you can't help the club in the tub, as as Dirk Gutter would say. Famously, the greatest uh, uh, ability is availability. You yeah. can't help and, your team if you're hurt. And and you know what really this these quarterback matchups bring to me more than anything, Scott, is that I think one of the biggest differences between good and bad quarterbacks is the whether you take sacks or not. Like to me, yeah. the the better quarterback you are, the less sacks you take. Um, yeah. You know, Russell Wilson ascended, I felt like, after he stopped taking five sacks a game, you know, yeah, like he sure. still yeah. probably takes too many. He and yeah. Rogers both have had the rap against him. Sometimes they'll hold the ball mm-hmm. too long, you know, but Rogers with the floor, that hasn't been nearly as much the case since he bought in. Um, and so, you know, with Russell Wilson, he's at least gotten much better in that regard, but that's when quarterbacks kind of take that yeah. jump. In my opinion is when they stop taking those plays. It's why some guys like Kirk cousins and others, I feel like have never really taken that, that jump. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that is, so I look at the schedule and I say, okay, um, the, the Bucks defense Jones, is going to get better. Rookie. That's what yeah. you're saying, right? <laughs> I don't know if they'll get better, better, but the results will be better. I think Matt right. Jones holds yeah. the ball too long. Jacoby Brissett, it's like the number one knock against him, how long he holds the ball. Jalen Hurts, it was a huge knock against him in college. He can get out of trouble, but we'll see. You know, Justin Fields just got sacked like 18 times yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't even his fault. Bears offensive line is atrocious. Jameis has been a huge one knock against him his whole career. In Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Heineke will hold on to the ball for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as much as he tore up the Bucks last year, you know, he definitely held on to the ball. You know, so you know, Daniel Jones has been basically a pinata. So, I mean, these are their next eight games or whatever, and you've got quarterbacks and offensive lines with issues the all over Bucks the place. should, asterisk, get yeah. off. Better, better, better. They should. Better change things in terms of pass rush, no question about yeah. it. Okay, uh, so you, you and I, big Giovanni Bernard fans, especially after yesterday, right <laughs> Nate Bitts, Giovanni Bernard has more awareness than Ronald and Le- Leonard and Ronald combined. He proved that on on the caught fumble, and uh, you know it's just kind of buck luck, right? That that he emerges as as really the best running back option we've seen all year in terms of what he can do with the ball in his hands. Granted, it's it's as a receiver rather than a runner. We haven't seen him really run the ball yet. But John, he One scores time. a touchdown and then he, he bangs his knee. And, and Arians today said they're just not sure about his status yet. They'll know yeah. more on Wednesday. And if you're just joining the show, Scotty Miller turf toe. That does not sound good. It's a pretty pretty severe case of turf toe. Jamel That's Dean a weird the, injury. Yeah, it is, especially for turf, a speed yeah. guy. It can like That's, linger or it yeah. could go away right away. Some guys it goes the whole year, longer. Yeah. You know, it's weird. That's not say. good for right. Scotty Miller at all. But Tyler Johnson really came on in the second half. So you got Scotty Miller, you got Jamel Dean, uh, Giovanni Bernard, and Jason Pierre-Paul. Those four guys, they don't know about right now. They're going to know more on Wednesday. And those are some big-time playmakers for this team. Yeah, I he, Bruce had a kind of a confusing answer for Jason Pierre-Paul. He was asked about kind of if he come back this week, maybe practice Wednesday, and he said he wouldn't expect it, but it wasn't clear whether he was saying he wouldn't expect him to practice Wednesday or wouldn't expect him to come back this week at all. So we'll just have to keep our eye on that one and keep monitoring it, I think, to see what happens with Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, you know, I, I thought Joe Try and Shoyinka, and I've played some plays clipped already, and I'm ready to roll out my JTS defense here this upcoming week. But I thought he played really well, showed a lot of good flashes. One of the hard things is going to be reading things for him. Like just the Rams tried to throw like four screens behind him like early in the game. And you know, he got his hands on one ball and yeah. 
almost made a play on another one, and then they completed two in behind them. They just kind of taken advantage of the fact these are rookies going to be teeing off. I don't even have an issue to be honest. Like it's not like his coverage right. assignment, but you just you'll learn awareness. I thought he did learn some awareness. He almost had a pick to be honest. Yeah. Um, if he had timed it a little bit better, but pass rush wise, I mean, when you can literally like just pop Andrew Whitworth back into the quarterback's lap on your first series, like yeah. there's just a lot to be it, excited it, about. It, with it didn't take the Rams long to say, Hey, we need to chip number nine over here. You know, second half, it was, yes, a lot of help that way, you know, and he, he definitely had to deal with some chips and they line tight and they know how to protect their guys. They've always known how to protect their tackles. Sean McVay has always been great at it. He's, yeah. he's known how to help his line, whether it's play action or chipping guys or bringing Cooper Cup down to chip guys. I mean, he does all kinds yeah. of stuff. So it's a tough matchup in that regard for edge guys, I guess, a little bit. But I thought a lot of good flashes from him. So we'll see. But no question, one of the things I want to ask you, Scott, is Sean, uh, Steve McClendon's role has kind of dropped the last three weeks in 27 yeah. snaps, 20 snaps, 15 snaps. Could Khalil Davis be active and Steve McClendon sit for the next game, or I'm could all for it. <laughs> Pat O'Connor play some on the interior? I, I'm, I'm all no for it. Snaps. I, I want to see uh, if if what they're doing is if they're chipping Barrett and Tryon. I think a, a closer look at the film when I do that later tonight is going to reveal that, especially as the game went on. The inside guys, um, listen, Vita Vea is great at pushing the pocket, but that's literally what he does. He grabs his guard or center and drives him back, and that has some value, but you're not going to see a spin move from Vita Vea. You're not going to see – you don't see a lot of, of twists inside. You don't see any tackle games where they cross. You don't see a lot of TE games or ET games, so that's with the end and the tackle, crossing to, to try to uh, create some, some confusion up front. Um, the reason for that is is because they're basically run-stuffing defensive tackles. They're not fast enough to really execute those moves. The one guy that I think can is Khalil Davis. He's the, the, the splashiest, flashiest, quickest guy. He's not a deal against the run, mm -hmm. but I think that if you can use him situationally as a, as a pass rusher, you might get a little bit more pressure. And so, yes, I think that now that the alarm bells have gone off for Bruce Arians, they went off for me against the Falcons with just one sack. Now you might see Khalil Davis up, and you might, or you might see Pat O'Connor, who's already up on special teams. John, like you said, getting some inside pass rush, and John, he looked pretty good in the preseason. Yeah, for Both sure. Of them I, did. I'm. I, I want to see when Jason Pierre-Paul comes back. I want to see him rush inside. I want to see them get way yeah. more ambitious with packages and say, "Hey." And it was it was interesting, right? Because we yesterday with Jason Pierre-Paul out, the Anthony Bucks Nelson, away. he got yeah. some snaps inside too, though. Yeah, yeah they, they only had three outside linebackers, so. Right. We saw Joe Tryon or Anthony Nelson rush inside in that JPP role. And we mm -hmm. saw Levante David come down a couple of times and rush as an outside linebacker. I'd rather have Devin White do that, honestly, and, uh, and keep uh, Levante David back in coverage if you're going to do that. I, I think that was a bad use of personnel. But Richard uh, uh, Taroka has a, a, a great super chat. Thank you. And a question. Thoughts on the offensive line so far, John? Allowing six sacks in two weeks plus drop passes that were an issue in training camp. What are your thoughts mm. on the drop passes and the sacks? To is that is that a lot of worry over nothing, or is it? Uh, well, drops have been an issue for the Bucks for you know ages now. Like I mean, all yeah, last yeah. year they were one of the highest teams with drops. Playoffs, their drummer drops skyrocketed, and they still won a Super Bowl. But I will push back against the offensive line thing because. Six sacks, a lot of those are not have not been on the offensive line. I mean, you know, Rojo gave up one last week. Um, Giovanni Bernard, I guess, technically gave up one this week, but he got face masked while that sack happened. So <laughs> yeah. that was a missed call, really, I felt like. Obviously, the Donald sack was you know Gronkowski's assignment. No offensive lineman was really in position to make a play there. What yeah. was the third sack in this? Was it a Oh, it was a cut. We'll have to look at that one and yeah. see what it was. A coverage sack. I, I, that was definitely a coverage sack. Yeah. Brady had to hold the ball in the third one. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember back to last week, but no, I think that I don't have much issue with the offensive line. I think that there could be some things that are better in terms of consistency. All five guys have played well this season. Yeah. They're probably all capable of a little bit more. I mean, I have to look at this one again to see Marpet because he I, he, I thought he was outstanding the first two weeks. Yeah. Same with Brian Jensen and then Pro Football Focus. I know docked them heavy for this one. So I'll look at it and we'll see. They've been wrong before, yeah. in my opinion. But Tristan Worth played awesome. I want to say did. that, though. Yes. That was encouraging. And, to and see why did he play awesome, John? Who was he going up against a lot of the time? 
I actually, Aaron Donald. <laughs> Aaron Donald, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what really I want to watch because Aaron Donald played more snaps outside of the right tackle than he did anywhere else in the defensive line. So right. I want to see, how, did they go one-on-one? Did they chip? Did they help? You know, I want to, because when you're doing the in-game stream and you're announcing, you know, you're doing yeah. the play-by-play, you're focused a lot on the ball and you're not watching. You know, I thought, I told you guys after, I think Tristan Wirfs had a great game. He could be a, a most impressive uh, type right. of player, but. It was good to see, you know, Pro Football Focus said he had clean slate, no pressures allowed. And the first two weeks of the season were just a little rocky for him. Not yeah. not bad, but just and, a little. And John, rocky. you know what? It's like we, we talked about this on the Pewter pregame show about how they're going to use Aaron Donald in different places, right? And that's mm-hmm. something that you and Paul talked about on the Pewter Game Day show. And so we want to thank everyone who tuned in for Pewter Game Day. And we're going to be doing Pewter Game Day again, of course, all season long. Bucks Patriots doesn't get any bigger than this from a hype standpoint. So make sure that you tune in on Sunday. We'll have the times for you. Um, we're going to be on location too. Yeah, for, for at Peter, Whiskey Wings. Yeah, for for our, our Pewter pregame show. Yeah, at Whiskey Wings in Temple Terrace. That unbelievable food. Got the outdoor bar. Just a great, clean, awesome environment. So many screens. That's what I love that they did. They just got so many screens. You could sit anywhere and be able to have a great vantage point view of the game. It's just a great place to come out. You can meet us all. You know, talk to us at the pregame show. It's going to be a, a watch the pregame show live. Going to be a lot of fun out at Whiskey Wings before this much anticipated Sunday night football game between the Bucks and yes. the Patriots. So. It'll be a fun one as well. By the way, if you like these discussions and you like when we go a little bit further behind the scenes for the details, join Spotify Greenroom, create an account really quick, download the app store on the app store, get it on Google Play. You can jump into a lot of these conversations that we have and you can be a part of them. You can have the voice. You can take the mic and do this part of the job. Uh, and you can talk to us and give us your opinions. JC Allen on there a lot. Uh, Pewter Reports, JC Allen. So make sure you jump in there, follow Pewter Report. Uh, on there and uh, you'll get the invitations when we go live on there you can jump in and be a part of those awesome sports conversations all right scott so you know we're, we've talked a lot about this one from oh, and yeah. answered some questions i, I got I think- one, one thing too i wanted to add a little yeah. bit of context to to your discussion about the offensive line tom brady is averaging 47 pass attempts per game it's not like he's dropping back 32 times john He's dropping back 47 times. He got 47 pass attempts. So it's actually more than that because he's been sacked six times. And he's scrambled a couple times too. Right. So you're looking at an awful lot of passing attempts, and that's just a function of volume. You're going to have more sacks uh, over time when you when you throw the ball more, and I think that's what we're seeing. So I'm, I'm not saying you know the Bucks offensive line's played perfect, but I would be more concerned if they had – Six sacks in three games, and Brady's dropping yep. back to throw 25, 25 30, 30 times yeah. per game. Yeah, right, right, for sure. Yeah, volume's a part of it. And honestly, getting behind in a game and knowing they're going to pass every single play Being is a part of yeah. it, too. Like, it's just, it's really hard for an offensive line to, to handle that over and over and over again. So, there's a lot of a variety to it. I want to make sure we answer Square Away's yes. question here. Arians also gets criticism leaving in Brady and starters after mathematically impossible to win. Bernard was an unnecessary injury on a necessary touchdown. Uh, completely agree with the Brady part of it. Um, completely agree with it. It shouldn't happen. I do happen. too. I, I shouldn't just want to see Blaine there. Gabbert. That's all. Yeah, that's right. That's the more part Blaine, of it. the better. I mean, but it's a risking fact. risking when Blaine Gabbert plays John. They're undefeated. I'm just saying. Right. Just, so maybe that's why he well, he knew that wouldn't happen if he put Blaine in in this one because it was yeah, literally maybe. mathematically impossible. Yeah, I agree with him on the Brady thing. I know it's not going to happen, so I don't get caught him. But I agree with him on the Brady thing. I think there's absolutely pointless that he's still out there at the end of that game. Bernard, I totally disagree with. He would beat the running back anyway. I mean, he would be playing in this game. I know you could say Keyshawn Vaughn, I guess, because he was active. But Giovanni Bernard's your fourth, your third running back. He's It's unrealistic to expect. If you want to make an argument for him, it's say play him more on first down because in his role, he's going to be out there in those situations. And he yeah. is a number three running back. As much as you and I may like him, that's you know he's number three yeah. running back. And those guys are going to play when games – You know, Keyshawn Vaughn's gotten probably no reps all week, not been a part of any game plan. Bernard's going to be playing in those situations no matter what. So it was unfortunate that the injury happened. It looks like Arian said after the game he'd be fine. We'll see now. He's looking and they're evaluating. Well, but, but His also, knee wasn't planted, so he might be saved right. in that regard. Maybe a slight it might be a, It might be a bruise rather Storeness, than a right. type of structural injury. But the, the interesting thing about Giovanni Bernard in that situation when he's playing is he's showing this, this new coaching staff for him what this new player, Giovanni Bernard, can do. 
in this offense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't see a whole bunch of him in the preseason. It wasn't like he got a bunch of, of opportunities in the preseason. So, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm fine with a newcomer showing this staff, hey, this is what I can do. You know, you put me in here, I'm going to make things happen. I thought mm-hmm. Bernard was was one of the stars on on the offensive side of the ball for the Bucks. So, I'm it's unfortunate he got hurt, but injuries can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I'm I'm fine with him playing, showing the staff what he can do, and I hope that he's healthy enough to play and that his performance last week earned him more playing time, especially on third downs where he had been splitting those third downs mm-hmm. with Leonard Fournette the first two weeks of the season. Right now he led running backs and snaps in that last game. So definitely Amen. things moving in the right direction. At least we'll see. Uh, Hans wants to know why did Vea only have 33 snaps yesterday? Sup with that. Actually, Vea played just the percentages that he always, he always plays around 50% and sometimes between 50 and 60% yeah. of the snaps is where he's been. I'm pretty sure all season. I could check that real quick in a second, but I would love it if they could play more, but here's the thing. Like <sighs> humans that big, yeah. I don't know how to manage them. They do. I'm just trusting yeah. what they got going on. It would be awesome if he could play 75% of snaps like Sue did in his prime, you know, and, and Sue probably still good. What did he play last year? Like 73%. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Second oldest D-tag of the league, but I, they're trying to manage those guys. They're trying to manage their legs. Right. The problem is that then when you go four man pass rush and those guys aren't in the game and you're using Anthony Nelson as an interior rusher like they did the other day. If you're using Nacho, McClendon, even Golson to a degree, you, you just they're none of those guys are great pass rushers. So that's right. where I'd say, what about Pat O'Connor? He's already active. Yeah. What about him playing him inside in those obvious pass situations? You know, if, he's if a dog, can, man. He's yeah. A dog. He'll and get he in was there unbelievable and in preseason. Crappy as hell. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. give him more of a look. I would start. I would too. You got to experiment. Yeah. You got to, if you want to win one on more and you want to win more with a four man pass yeah. rush because you don't want to leave your corners on an island, start experimenting. Start playing Devin White on the line of scrimmage. Start bringing an extra DB and taking a D lineman off the field and use a front of White, Barrett, JTS, and Vea or, you know, while Peter Paul's out. But yep. you can't keep doing the same blitz as you've always done and keep running. Oh, we're just going to run this right. four man rotation pass rush and it's going to be Nelson and, and McClendon and Nacho and Golston and Sue getting these snaps. You have better players than that that you can be rushing, and you got to find ways yeah. to use them. I think William Butler with the four ninety nine super chat. Thank you all for these super chats. You're making our day here on this. Yeah. If you were Jason, uh, legit is that right? L i g h t l legit Jason legit light. Well, light is spelled l i c h t, of course. Light them up. Legit, Jason legit licked, 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 licked. If you were Jason Licht, who would you aim for in a, a trade? We just kid William Butler. We love you. Uh, in a, who would you aim for in a trade to, to shore up the secondary? That's a good question. I don't know that trade would be at the top of my list. You know, some people I saw saying, "Oh, C.J. Anderson, you could have traded a third for him. That doesn't mean anything to you in a Super Bowl window." Okay, let's just set the stage here. C.J. Henderson's in year two. He's in Jacksonville, which yeah, it's a train wreck, yeah. but. He's not proven anything. He did not right. play well as, as his rookie year went on. Um, he, there's apparently, I don't want to say character concerns is an, a broad overarching term that's probably not fair, but there's personal stuff with him going on that's relating yes. to his ability to play football that we cannot speak to. He's also in his second year, and he's not playing on Jacksonville, right. who's a bad team. Yes. I, I just, like, what are we expecting him to be right, right. now? Like, there's If he turns out great, he was great. Traded, but, right. right. I'm just saying we can't say, oh, this is a move they should have made. If he balls out in Carolina, you know, hindsight's 2020. But given the right. information we have in front of us right now, nah, like I'm not making that move for a young, unproven yeah. dude for sure. And right. older guys cost something. So I looked up like, okay, who's, you know, some some free agents that might be available. And really, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not it's, sure. That- it's it's so tough too, John, because it's like, you know, and, and I think Bruce is thinking about, well, what about Pierre Desir? You know, he's on the practice squad. The thing is, John, is is even if Richard Sherman comes, he doesn't know the Bucks system and scheme. And you saw the communication errors, right, between two guys, Carlton Davis and, and Mike Edwards, who've both been here in Todd Bowles' system mm-hmm. for the past three years. Right. And there were there were miscommunication issues. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you you're asking a new cornerback, and I think D Delaney was even guilty of, of that on a on a pick play where he didn't take the outside guy. You can bring in Richard Sherman, or you can trade for for Gilmore, whoever. They're not going to come in week one and get a pick six and light it up and all that stuff. It's just not going to happen. This is not Madden. Uh, 
even if you're a veteran, you got to come in, learn the system. You you've got to uh, understand the audibles because you know when when you're out there and you're looking at the sidelines like like this, like mm-hmm. you know, what's what's the call? Yeah. Guess what? The ball snapped. The, the that's going over your head. It, it's, yeah. it's not it's not a quick easy fix like Madden. It just isn't. agreed. But I will say this about Sherman, and I, I don't know what kind of condition he's in, and I don't know the state of his off the field concerns and everything. But you know what that happened in July. But I will say this: He's probably one of the smartest football players to ever play. Oh, no doubt. Position yeah. And, and, yeah. and academically smart, classroom smart, brilliant at Stanford. You know, yeah. he's just the kind of guy that's extremely bright and with it. So, yeah. I mean, if you were going to bank on making this kind of move, because it's obviously a desperation move at this point right. for sure, then he's probably as safe a bet as anybody in terms of picking it up mentally. Sure. There's obviously other stuff with him. I don't can't speak to it. Maybe it happens. There's enough interest yeah. where it wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, we'll he's see. had a foot injury. He's had an Achilles injury. He's 33. There's there's some concern. Oh can yeah, he for still sure. Run, you know. Yep. Um, but the thing is, is whoever they traded for, signed whatever, is not going to help them this week. You might see the benefits two weeks down the road, three weeks, four weeks for sure. Right. Week 14 um, or whatever against the Bills. Yeah. Yeah, it might be, it, it might pay off down the line for sure, and yeah. that's that's the hope. But no one's going to come in off the street and be the savior this week. Right, the Bucks are going to have to roll with. Uh, you better you better not week. need a defensive savior this week. Like that's yeah, one, exactly. That's a you know, that's a this, hell of a point. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I'll say this: Michael Davis from the Chargers. I don't think he's on a team right now. I don't think he signed anywhere. Pick six Brady last year. People probably remember that play yeah. Yeah. Um, against Chargers. He's not a great player. Obviously, he's available, you know, but, um, you know, he's a guy that has played in zone heavy schemes, would be f- more familiar with this type of scheme based on his background and has shown the ability to make plays on the ball, be opportunistic um, in the past, not just the Brady pick. He's had some other really good plays in the ball in his career. This is a type of system that he could work in for sure. Um, don't know much about him in terms of personality, if he'd mentioned right. locker room or not. I have seen him not maybe be the most aggressive tackler in the world yeah. in the past. That could be a concern. But we are talking about, in essence, desperation moves. We are not going and finding an elite player right now. Like That's sure. not what's happening in this context of this conversation. So yeah. people have to understand anybody they sign is going to come with warts. I think he's one that would probably come with, with less than others. Some people have mentioned Gary on Conley was a horrible zone corner when they played him in zone in, in, in Oakland. I guess yeah. they were Oakland then. Just did not a fit at all for him. Quentin Dunbar, there's character stuff I know there that's been there. I don't know what his situation is right now. He also was very poor last time he was on the field. So there's other guys, but I, I don't see anybody to me that makes more sense than some of the guys we just mentioned in terms of their ability to bring right. something to the table. Yeah, Charlie Abrams, and we, we kind of touched on Devin White earlier, but it, uh, what can be done about the play of Devin White in pass coverage? The one thing I'll say is, and keep in mind, we're still in this COVID climate, right, where – where when when we're at one buck in your place, it's a situation where you're watching the first 30 minutes of practice, and really that's it. Okay, you're you're not there watching the entire practice or the post practice or whatever. And so what Devin White said is, is he really worked after practice on his pass drops and mm. getting better in that. I don't know if if that practice has continued this year or not. I know that he did it last year. He attributed that, and so did Bruce Arians, to his improved pass defense in the postseason and kind of like what i talked about at the the top of the show john sometimes when you've arrived these players say i got it i got it you know and and i don't know if devin white is is still continuing that practice or if he needs to get back out there and do it after practice but it was working right and we've seen the regression of the devin white in coverage so maybe it's a situation where if he's not doing it maybe he needs to get back there and do that i'm not you know i'm not as his coach or his daddy or whatever, that that's his call to make. But it worked last year, and, and it probably is something that that he needs to do if he's if he's not doing it already. Right. I just I don't want to condemn anybody too early, but I'm getting to the point with Devin White Scott where I'm just like, I wonder if he's as good as we thought he would be, and that you know that hurts me to say a little bit because I said before the oh, year I that think I think he is John, but it, but it's is he a flash player? Or is he a splash player? Splash players. I know he's as talented as we right. think he was. Flash players. That. Flash players make plays, but they're not consistent, right? A splash player yeah, is the guy even that, splash that consistently plays, makes splash plays. Even splash plays last year, the vast majority of his, and there were certainly more than this year, the vast majority were sacks. Yeah. Unblocked most of the time, you situations sacks. That's scheme more than it is. I mean, certainly he's explosive and you know that that helps get him get there quickly, but 
I don't even see that necessarily. Like if you're a linebacker and the best thing you can say about you is, oh, you got, if you're an off-ball linebacker and the best thing people can say about you is, oh, you got, you got a bunch of sacks, like you made splash plays as a blitzer. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It obviously does in terms of the context of the team, but the individual skill set, how many other guys could you put in that spot that would still have gotten, you know, maybe not nine and a half, but six and right. a half sacks. You know, I, I think that to me is easy, but coverage, no. Like what Levante David's done his whole career in coverage as a linebacker, that's very difficult to replicate. And that's what they yeah. were hoping Devin White can become. And it's been completely the other direction. I mean, to the point yeah. where this year, he's more out of control than he was last year. And he is a player, I will say this, that if you get, as he gets into the season and he starts to get back and used to game mode, and he, he, I think he calms down and maybe things slow down for him. But I think it's disappointing to come out in your third year and look as frenetic as he's looked. He's just... Yep. Out of control. He's leading the team in missed tackles by far. Yep. He's given up the most yards in coverage of yep. anybody. He's he's hit two teammates in a row, weeks in a row to give up help them <laughs> give up catches. Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Like belted yep. Levante David. David right. was down for a while last week. Like yep. that kind of stuff is killing right now. It's killing this team. Yep. And um okay, uh, I got know, a, he's I a captain. A question here. Yeah, for sure. I got a got a question here from from Michael Hawthorne. We'll talk about this for a quick second because we have we've not talked about Mike Edwards. Where was Mike Edwards in that game? There was all this hype after the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Did he even play yesterday? Yeah, I wrote about him in the Fab Five. I think John and I share the opinion, and I'll let, I don't want to speak for you, John, but I will share the opinion. We're, we're Mike Edwards fans, right? We like yes, uh, Mike Edwards I am games. very much. Okay, We like the fact that he's kind of a big play waiting to happen. At the same time, being objective and, and putting any fandom I have aside for him, affection, whatever you want to call it, for Mike Edwards aside, there is a reason why he's not playing nickel, and they decided to go with Ross Cockrell in the slot. I did some digging today. What I've heard from some sources is that it's it's he, he can't run in man coverage, that he is better playing safety than he is in the slot, playing man coverage, and as, as bad as Ross Cockrell uh, looked in getting beat by Deshaun Jackson on that underthrow, by, by Matt Stafford, thanks to the hit by Vita Vea. The team doesn't trust Mike Edwards in terms of his ability to run. Mike Edwards didn't run at the combine. He ran a 4-5 at his pro day. He said he tweaked his hamstring. He was a very splashy player at Kentucky, team leader, very good player, versatile player, but he's a third-round pick for a reason. Yeah. And I'd like to see him more at this point in time. I, I don't know what, what, you know, what they can do to um, to do any worse in the secondary, yeah. but that's why it's just that he's. I'll say I'll say this quickly. I think Edwards. I I know he's not fast. I've known that you know the whole time. If he were a great athlete, he would have been picked a ball higher because he's got the intangibles and ball skills and yeah. you know he's got all really you want. It's just the athleticism right. is not elite. But that's what a zone slot corner. They should be okay yeah. to have those limitations. And so right. I still don't know that I totally agree with it. I know in this matchup you were trying to play man, more man coverage, but yeah. uh, Delaney playing 30 more snaps than Mike Edwards is tough for me, Scott. That's a for, tough yeah. one for me. From a talent perspective, for sure, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like you're talking about a third-round pick and a guy that that has shown he can make plays versus a guy like um, you know, like, like D. Delaney. And I'm not picking on D. Delaney. I mean, he's Bruce Arians' favorite cornerback. Yeah, it's just so. Delaney's played five defensive snaps in his career, and now he has to go against McVay, Stafford, Cup, Woods, Higby, yeah. Van. Like it's just brutal. Yeah, brutal. That's just tough yeah. to ask of him. And he gave up, you know, fifty some yards. It wasn't the end of the world. You know what was brutal? My bets on my bookie two weeks ago. Oh, oh just brutal. But you know who came back? This guy I had a great weekend. Who picked that NC State money line winner over Clemson? This guy, yeah, I, Love I, it. I hit yesterday pretty good, too, on, Okay, All right. on the Cardinals. Cardinals coming, yeah, that was a big one for you. Well, here's a big one, too, John. My bookies, double your first deposit. Patriots, Buccaneers, use that promo code pewter. This is what we're talking about. Tom Brady returns to New England for the biggest game of the year. The stakes had never been higher at my bookie. Whether you're backing New England or Tampa Bay this Sunday, the game is always more exciting when you got money on it at my bookie. Get in on the action and take this game to a whole new level. At my bookie, both teams are sporting top defenses. Well, not really. I'm just reading the copy, people. <laughs> and nobody knows each other better than Brady and Belichick. Slow and steady will win this race. Smart bets 
the the under smart money bets the under don't wait around join my bookie now and bet on the biggest game of the season use the promo code pewter double your first deposit again promo code pewter to get double your first deposit with my bookie start your winning season today bet anytime anything anywhere with my bookie and john here's what i love about my bookie not only have they been an advertiser with us for the past four years now mm-hmm. i've actually yeah. been using them and and they're they're my sports book of choice yeah and they've got these great games like for example in the season opener the the, the uh the Bucks versus Cowboys game. They gave you twenty five dollars. They said if anybody scores, you win. Just bet. Right. Yep. right? It, so it, I got twenty free twenty five bucks. They had a, a UFC promo over this weekend that was um, if anyone bleeds during the UFC fight, you win. So you click on that bet. You bet twenty five bucks. I won. Everybody won who did that. It's yeah. free money. So that's what my bookie does. Great yep. customer service. Great bets. Great place to go. Right. And when you win that money, go over to Living Golf Life and check out these guys. They got some great stuff. These polos, hats, they got koozies, they got cups, like all kinds of stuff, mugs, you can glasses, all of it. You can get over at Living Golf Life. Just a great brand and company. These guys get it in terms of what golf is all about and the lifestyle that comes with it. So go over to livinggolflife.com, check out the stuff they have available. Help these support these guys in their business that's taken off right now. I love the hat. I love the polos. You've heard Matt talk about them. So Go on over to livinggolflife.com and check out all that they have going on over there. All right, Scott, to wrap this thing up, we want to get one last question here. $5 super chat from Froggy75. Really appreciate it. Utter lack of running game makes us very one-dimensional. Fournette dancing around like Cinderella will not work. I get it, Froggy. I hear you completely. The answer is play Giovanni Bernard more and see what happens. That's the only answer they have right now. Fournette is who he is. Rojo is who he is. Could Bernard be a little bit something more? That's what we have to figure out. I'm okay with the Bucks being a heavy pass team, but yeah, when you run it, you got to be more efficient than the two yards per carry that Fred and Jones were picking up yesterday. And to me, Giovanni the only way. So, guy, try it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll talk about trading for a running back later this week. We'll be back on Wednesday with the preview show for the Bucks Patriots game. Excited about that on the podcast. Until then, make sure you're checking out pewterreport.com for all the latest info and game days, coverage, stories, all that stuff. We've got tons of content rolling out on the site. So appreciate everybody jumping in here for Scott Reynolds. Thank I'm you. John Ledyard. Thanks so much for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.